You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Welcome back to Faith and Fostering. It's great to have you with us again today. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, then I suggest you go back and have a listen to it as that's going to set you up for the discussion that's about to start. For those of you who have, let's launch in with part two of this interview. So Michelle, it's um, yeah been really interesting to hear of you know so many different experiences that you've had, and you were just sort of sharing before we wrapped up um, earlier before we were cut off that you know you've got a daughter who is being re-diagnosed, and so tell us a little bit of that story. So she had autism, which you were aware of, or ADHD, and then um, yeah, how did that journey sort of unfold from there? So. Um... When we did the, it took a whole year of testing. So the main thing that came out, I think it was that they said she was still acting out of that fight or flight response. So all the therapy that we'd had before the counselling, when I'd say to her, what did they talk about? She'd say, I don't remember. Mm. And I'd say, what did you do in school? She'd go, I don't remember. Because her body and her brain were always on alert and in that fight or flight response. So she wasn't able to really to learn um so yeah but then we got a psychiatrist and he is trying some different medications but um now she's actually in intensive therapeutic care so they can sort of the idea is to have that trauma therapy and to get the medications right and then um hopefully she can do some sort of oh she also got the ndis so um she'll be able to have like supported living or supported job seeking but yeah she ended she finished school at the end of year 10 she didn't go back yeah yeah it's too much yeah yeah (laughs) I can imagine and I found the only exception to like them being able to sleep through the night is the neurodiverse ones Mm -hmm. like um autism they might not sleep well (laughs) yeah and what have you done in those situations Michelle what's kind of helped you with some of those children well they still stay in their room like we say oh you know it's bedtime just stay in your room like even if you can't sleep just read a book or something yeah or um I often find too like having that cd player with praise and worship music that helps keep them sort of settled and in their bed and a nice atmosphere in their room but um yeah We've we our long term girl actually she is um, autism level two ADHD, uh, and they found that when we had reassessed when she was fifteen because we knew she had ADHD we had that assessed assessments in year four and she started medication which helped heaps with her social and academics but um but through high school she wasn't going well so. I thought, no, I'm just going to get a whole other round of assessments. Um, so she, we did that through year nine, I think, and it came out she had autism level two. She was still in the fight or flight response, her whole body and thinking from that first 15 months. So whenever we had had counselling or um, the ADHD consultant, all these things that we'd paid a lot of money for, um, I'd say to her, you know, what did the counsellor say? She'd go, I don't remember. And same with school, you'd say, what did you learn in class? She'd say, I don't remember. 
And because she was still in that fight or flight response where she doesn't remember things. Have I lost you? Oh, I can't see you. Um, yeah, so we tried melatonin, we tried catapress, we tried lots of things to help sleep, but she still doesn't sleep. She'll just lie in bed or read. Yeah, she probably only sleeps two or three hours a night. And so obviously for you, as you've gained experience in this space and as, as you've learned with each child who's had different challenges and some similar challenges, you've accessed, I guess, various services and learnt a lot about how the brain works and what trauma does. What have been some of the um, most important things that you could pass on to others that you've gone, wow, when I learned this, that really then helped me feed into something else, you know, that pathway for a child? Yep. Um, So my husband and I didn't have a great upbringing and we didn't have Christian parents. So when we got married, we had to start from scratch. I think, oh, how do you have a Christian marriage and how do you parent in a different way to what we had been parented in a Christian way? Yeah. So we did um, buy a lot of the, the Christian books on marriage and parenting and read them or work through them together or discuss things, um, then going to church and observing other people. Um, I had a beautiful uh, friend who was 10 years older than me and her and her husband had a lovely marriage and the way she spoke to her kids taught me a lot when they were doing the wrong thing she didn't yell at them she called them to her and she got down on their level and she'd sort of say oh you know I asked you not to run ahead there and you did and um they would say oh I'm sorry mama please forgive me for not listening and she'd say, you know, I forgive you and I need you to stay here because I love you and I want you to keep you safe so I can't have you running too far ahead or, you know. Yeah. But she's just so beautiful. And um, what else? So um, and then we did the marriage course. We did the Christian parenting classes. We did um, the Gary and Gary Ezzo. That they've been doing parenting classes that come out of America, but it's all based on the Bible, which is why it works. Because I found that I go to lots of like the foster training and you think, oh, it just doesn't work, um, that type of parenting. But, and I knew the Bible would work, but how to like, how you do, how do you do it? Yeah. So we did um, the. Um, I forgot what they were called. Preparation for the toddler years, preparation for preteen and teen and um, growing kids God's way, which was like an 18-week one, uh, which covered age 2 to 12. And and then after we did them all, we also taught them all for 10 years. Uh, Um, Just like rehashing. (laughs) That really helps. think yep. in further yes every time we do the same course like you'd be going through different things and you'd pull out different things from it but um yeah so I think learn observe be in a Christian community take advantage of the resources nowadays like you your podcast yeah, yeah. listen to podcasts do whatever works for you 
people don't read much these days, I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely audio is very valuable and um, but, I mean, I love reading. I'm a reader. So, you know, I, I find that if I can pick up a book rather than scrolling on my phone in those little moments, even if I just read six lines or a chapter, yeah. so often it's got to be a book that I can come in and out of, but I do find that really valuable. And then when I've, I've finished a book, I feel like I've got something that I didn't yeah. have before I picked up the book. Whereas when I, you know, scroll on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I kind of feel like I come away with nothing really. Like I, yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. tried to fill um, my Instagram feed with um, a lot of kind of, um, I don't know, like content where people are talking about, you know, sort of scriptural wisdom and that kind of thing. But even so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it, it is really more of a taker than a giver, I think, on those sorts of platforms. So you've got to make sure that you're actually on the receiving end of good wisdom and, um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of wisdom, yes, I have been into Proverbs this year. There's 31 chapters, one for each day of the month. But Proverbs is wisdom, mm. full of wisdom. And it says, you know, if you lack wisdom, we're meant to ask God for it and he will give it to us. And, yeah, you could read Proverbs, yeah, a lot. Get into Proverbs <laughs> over and over and over because it's great for relationships, mm. parenting, marriage, all our relationships. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We had a little book. I don't know if you've heard of Sean McDonoghue. We actually had him on the podcast. He's a, an illustrator and author of children's books. He's a um, a pastor in Adelaide, I think, or South Australia somewhere. But he had a book that he called Proverbs, and it's mostly pictures. So it's images with just the main kind of heart of the proverb, I guess. And it was amazing because we had two little ones with us for nine months. They've just been restored to mum and dad. But reading, that was one of their favourite books. They would jump up and down and be like, can we, we read Proverbs? We want to read Proverbs. And a little girl who was two, just going through that, you know, at night, we would look at the pictures and there wasn't much, um, there weren't a lot of words. It was just the Proverbs. So one of the Proverbs was... Um, yeah, before you build your house, plant your field. Like plant your fields first and then build your house. And there was just like a series of little images of two sheep, you know, one's building house, one's planting their field. And I just said to Phil, I love it because I internalise that. And when we read it over and over again and just because of the style of the book, that's actually like a truth that gets planted in my heart and certainly pray that you know and then there was other ones as well but I'm like it's just it is wisdom it's it's something that you take with you that's going to actually serve you in life it's not going to take from you so that's yeah. so valuable and you have to seek it like um mm. it's described the like like you um sought after your partner or your husband your husband sought the wife that's how we seek wisdom we um yeah yep I don't know it's good yeah it is and there is that onus on us I think God is he's at the ready to impart and to give but we've got to lean in with an attitude that says I want I want this I want what you've yep. got and yeah there's definitely um a lot that we gain in that pushing in place but we've got to push in don't we like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't just fall out the sky. <laughs> we want to be intimate with God and passionate after Him, 
And um, that reminds me of that verse that says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. It's true, like when we seek him first, then he will look after all the rest. Yeah, yeah. And what are, what's a story that comes to mind where you've seen that happen for you, Michelle? Uh, probably like it's just every day. Yeah. Um, but Oh, yeah, I forget because there's so many. But the other thing that I also wanted to say, though, was my, as well as looking after the marriage, the other thing that's helped us is having we have a date night with each child. Mm. So my husband and I will take turns um, to take, it goes, you know, on a roster. Yep, yep. <laughs> so each week, each week on a one night a week, we'll have a date night with a child. So he'll have one one week and I'll have one the next week. But um, but in that way you can focus just on that child because I think with fostering how you were saying how did it affect our other kids is I think I neglected some of my own kids at times because the foster kids were having so many needs and my kids were seemingly stable and happy and so they just got neglected. Yeah. But um, so we've done the, those date nights for the last six years. Yeah. And I think they're important. Yeah, very much so. I was reading, there's a, um, I think he's a psychologist, but a book author by the name of Kurt Thompson. And he talks about, you know, all of us needing to be seen and known and soothed and mm-hmm. safe, essentially. But there is so much, um, yeah, in this idea of being seen and known. And I think for the little people in our home, um, more than here's the next thing or here's the next activity, but actually I'm I'm watching you and I see what you love and I see what's in you and I see who God is making you. And then and then I have to verbalize that and parent out of that. Actually, yeah, I know you or I. And like my husband talks about, you know, painting a big canvas for our children. Once you start to see, okay, this is what they like and this is what they're always talking about or where their interest kind of goes to. Um, Those are great things as parents to be able to utilise to help our our children grow and flourish, I think. So date nights are perfect because it's that one-on-one attention and, yep. and it just helps you say, hey, not only do I know you, but now I can tell you that I know you and show you that I know you. And we get yep. this time where you can, yeah, share more of what's happening for you in your world. Yep. Yeah, and each child likes different things. Like my boy with Down syndrome, his idea of date night is to go in his bedroom and put the music on and dance <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah. Or to eat. He likes eating. So we might just go get an ice cream or it's just a, something little Yeah, makes them feel special. Absolutely. And it, coming back to your trauma thing as well, I found um, the Post Institute. It's all free, but they okay. have a lot of really great stuff on trauma. Um, so, And I was thinking of that verse that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Uh, we've definitely found that if the kids are getting heightened because they've come from an environment where there's lots of yelling and crashing and smashing and and then we keep it you know really quiet and soothing and 
they come back down to that level rather than if they were getting angry and then we got angry, then they would up it 10 mm. times. Um, so that is a very important verse. I think like a gentle answer turns away wrath. And the other thing was, so with things like lying or behaviours, you want to look at um, not the actual lying, like forget that they've lied, mm-hmm. but get to what's underneath that. Like uh, are they afraid of something or frustrated or feeling unloved or, yeah, like don't worry so much about forget the consequences for lying. Yeah. Just go to I see you and what's going on with you. Yeah, but it's that curiosity, isn't it, of the curiosity to want to know why, like what sits underneath it, that what they're doing, their behaviour. And then, yeah, so spending time looking around there first rather than addressing the behaviour itself as a primary yeah. response. That makes such yeah. good sense. Have you ever found yourself, um, I'm sure you have because we all have, but you're in a, a situation where you're walking alongside of a child and you just think, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to help. <laughs> where am I going to go? What, what have you sort of in those moments, what's helped you or what have you done in those places? Yeah, I think say Jesus. <laughs> yeah. which I do. <laughs> oh, isn't it the best? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I remember with that boy um going through the shopping centers and so I was walking through a shopping center and he was like five meters behind me yelling, F you, I hate you <laughs> and um I'm like, Yeah, so I remember getting a full trolley with him one time too and then just having to leave the trolley, leave the supermarket. Right, we're coming out of the supermarket and we're going outside and we're going to just settle down and chat, you know, what's going on. Yeah, and then I think I did go back in and get the trolley, but I just said to the lady, oh, can you <laughs> leave this? We've just, just got to go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And those are things that as a foster parent, you just have to get comfortable in, don't you? Like yeah. those moments. I th- don't take it personally. Yes. Yeah. And that is a hard learning journey, I think, at the start, because often, I mean, we've all got pride or ideas yes. of how we think it should look or what should look like. And those things have to die, I think. Yes, definitely. They die quickly with fostering. You might have pride and then after a few I hate you through the shopping centre. The pride is gone. Everyone's going, you must be a terrible parent. Yep. Yep. Yep, it does. You learn how to let it's that go. It's your child. <laughs> and that's where it's helpful to be part of a community where you can, you know, you get it and you can laugh about it as well. A friend of mine, she's just like, you just have to laugh at things because yep. otherwise, you know, they you it would stop you. It would stop you leaning in. So, yeah, she taught me the valuable lesson of being able to laugh at myself and laugh yeah. at some of those situations that I want to just, yeah, hide or cry or 
you know, bang my head on the wall. Yeah. And then other times we went, like, I remember going to Kurong, which is my favourite shop. <laughs> so we get home and then I found that some things have been stolen. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I stole from my favourite shop. And then so we have to, like, get in the car, chat, you know, chat through it all, or maybe even the next day or two days or three days later when they've calmed down. Okay, we're going back. We're going to give it back. And we're going to say, sorry, I stole that. And yeah, so, but yes, pride is gone. Yeah, that's, yeah, Michelle, I'm so thankful that there are people um, that are ahead on the journey and that, yeah, you can share from that place and, and just give wisdom and encourage others who may be starting on the journey. What would you say to somebody who, who says to you, oh, I'm thinking about foster care? What do you normally respond with? Oh, no, sometimes I'm so sarcastic. I think, oh, well, do you like cleaning up poo from the <laughs> carpet and the walls and the, like, yeah, no, but no, it's definitely worth it and it's definitely hard at times and, um, yeah, and you definitely have to put Jesus first. Yeah. That will make it a lot easier. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you got to ask him for keys, like to kids. Like, why are they acting like that, and what can I do to help them? Because he knows we don't see. He sees. He's seen it all. He knows what they've lived through, and he'll show you from his perspective, and he'll soften your heart so that you can look at that behavior and go. Yeah, you really need love. And yeah. Yeah. Because the behavior is hard. It's very hard to see past the behavior, especially because yeah. life happens, right? Life doesn't stop for you to be able to um, get down on that level and talk to that child. And even while you're making that a priority, there's a million other things that are also going yeah. on. And so, yeah, it is, it's a, a real, I think it's a learned skill that we learn over time um, yeah. as parents. Love, yep. Lo loving is inconvenient. It's when mm. you, you know, in the middle of the dinner and it's their grumpy time and they're having a massive meltdown and you've got four kids trying to do homework and they need help with math and they need help with an assignment or building this pyramid and you're going, oh, this is way too much, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um then you've just got to like stop yeah all right i'm turning the dinner off and jesus how can i help this child who's screaming and throwing things yeah and um yeah it's messy and it's inconvenient yeah and it's exactly what they need isn't it yeah but yeah sometimes just a minute or two down on their level having a hug Going, what's going on? Are you sad? Are you feeling angry? And they'll go, No, I'm not angry. <laughs> and you go, But you're throwing things. No, I'm not angry. But, um, it, yeah, like helping them identify their feelings. It takes time and where and why. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, on behalf of all of those children, thank you very, very much for your and your husband and your families 
sacrifices and stepping in and ongoing love and commitment. And on behalf of all the foster parents that are learning and growing or have been on the journey already, thank you because we need your voice and we need your encouragement and we need your wisdom, Michelle. So, yeah, I'm so thankful that you joined us today and was able to share some of that. I'm definitely sure I'm going to be ringing you again in another year's time and saying, hey, can you come and share some more? Because I know when we were sort of starting out on the journey, that was the thing I was just looking for, somebody who had been in the trenches, who had learned the lessons and who had kept Jesus at the centre and could say, hey, I can be real with you, but also there is hope and there's a reason to do this. It's a good yeah. a good place to serve. So thank you so Definitely much. Definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. And that's God's heart for the widow, the orphan. He'll bless it. Yeah, so good. Well, until next time, remember that every child deserves a family. ARC has released a devotional journal for carers of kids from tough places. It's written by like-minded carers who love Jesus for carers within the out-of-home care system. In it, you'll find scriptures to meditate on, devotions to encourage you, and pages for journaling your prayer times and insights as God gives them to you. You can purchase your copy today at arcaustralia.org.au.